If you have your Bibles or your devices, please open to Deuteronomy 31. That's where we're going to be going in just a, a couple of seconds. But before we go there, I just want to make sure that, ladies, you understand the significance of tonight's event, the Reconnect. We say it, but sometimes we don't follow through in our behavior when we admit that our relationship with Christ is personal, but it's not private. In other words, for each one of us, male or female, to grow more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, it is a community project. We need each other to be speaking into our lives and caring for us as we care for each other as well. So ladies, let me just really encourage you to make the time tonight to come and be reconnected with other sisters in Christ tonight. Uh, it's, it's an important part of just being part of the family of Lakewood. And for the, all of us, again, um, as the school year begins, our community groups are going to be starting up on Sunday morning, the opposite hour of when you attend worship. We really encourage you to be a part of that starting on September the 12th, again, because it's, it's part of being in the family. It's part of allowing the community of believers to gather around us in support um, for one another. So I just want to give that little brief uh, encouragement to all of us. A few years ago, Nick Walenda performed an incredibly dangerous tightrope walk. You may remember that he uh, walked across a quarter-mile stretch of cable. The cable was only two inches thick. It was suspended 1,500 feet above the Little Colorado River, which was near the Grand Canyon. And it was all shown on the Discovery Channel. Maybe that's where you watched it. During his tightrope walk, social media was all abuzz as people were so unnerved by his tightrope walk that many of them turned off the television or switched to another channel. They just couldn't bear to watch this. We as a church are on the brink of change as we anticipate Matt Nagel and his family joining us as he's going to be our new senior pastor so a new season, a new era, a new future is about to begin. How are you feeling about all this? Are you flip-flopping maybe back and forth between excitement and then all of a sudden you realize you're maybe a little hesitant about it all? Um, one moment you're eager and the next maybe you're a little melancholy about the past. You want to embrace the future, but you're not really quite sure what does it mean to release the past. I can imagine that some of you here this morning that have been a part of Lakewood for many, many years, you have seen other pastors come and go, and you remember that sometimes it went well, and sometimes it didn't. And some of you are here this morning, and you, maybe you're hoping that the coming transition will return Lakewood to a glory age that you so fondly remember so that you wanted to recover this former season because you enjoyed that time so very much. And then there may be others of you here this morning, after what you've experienced or what we've all experienced over these last few years, you're just simply hoping that there will be some newfound stability. So whether we are facing change corporately as a body of believers, or maybe it's more individual, it's personal for you, it's coming this week, Monday through Saturday, facing change can be quite a challenge for any of us as Christ followers. 
And the prospect of facing some kinds of change can be so unnerving, it would be almost be like we're asked to go across a tightrope over the Grand Canyon. And just thinking about that possibility makes our palms begin to sweat and our heartbeat start to race. That's why this morning we need to dig into Psalm, excuse me, Deuteronomy 31. Again, if you have your Bibles open there, if you've got your device open to Psalm, to, I keep saying Psalms, to Deuteronomy chapter 31, um, it's going to tell us about one of the major transitions that occurs in the scriptures, that of Moses to Joshua. Follow along as I read. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today, and I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over as your head as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, a little bit of background. Again, as we mentioned last week, every time we open up the Scriptures, we need to understand what's happening before this. What has set us up as we come to Deuteronomy 31? Well, most of you know, at this very moment, Israel is standing at the brink of change. Well, actually, they're standing on the bank of the Jordan, but it's the very same thing. They can see across the water into the Promised Land, and it is so tantalizingly close, it's almost as if you could reach out and, and touch it or grab it. The 40 years of wandering in the desert from Egypt all the way up to this very place are just about over. Can you imagine what might be going through their minds? They're probably thinking about where they are and where they will be. They're probably thinking about the here and across the Jordan is over there. So as they think about here, they're thinking, this is what I'm used to. This is what I'm comfortable with. This is what, how we've always done it. That's here. I like the manna being delivered every morning. I don't want to see that go away. I like the reassuring cloud of fire that appears right after sunset. It's almost like a divine nightlight that gives incredible comfort in the dark hours of the night. The other side of the river, that represents there. It's where we're going. Yeah, it is the promised land, but it's also the unknown. It's also the unpredictable. It's also the very unfamiliar. This side of the river, this is Moses. He's faithfully led us for over 40 years. He has heard from God and then passed on to us his words. 
The glowing face thing is really cool. I like that. He has believed God when we have doubted. And sure, he's got a short temper, but we've worked it out. We've learned how to work with each other. Over there, that's Joshua. He's young. He's a young guy. He's unproven. He's a rookie. Yeah, he's been next to Moses for most of these years, but he's never had all the reins in his own hands. So, you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to risk trusting too soon. Here, there, Moses, Joshua. And what Moses says here in Deuteronomy 31 is that change is coming for Israel. But did you notice his words convey it's a God-oriented change, God-designed change? Look at verse 2. He is very quick to say, the Lord has said. So the coming change is not happening because Moses is tired of leading. The change is not coming because he has found a better opportunity with somebody else. The change is not coming because he's going to retire to a seaside villa and write his memoirs. No, no. We're going to note carefully all the way through these eight verses in Deuteronomy 31 that the type of change and the timing of the change are being directed by the Lord. And folks, that can be of such reassurance to each of us, whether we're looking at the corporate change we're about to face or whether it's personal change that you're going through right now and you're thinking, why this and why now? Alicia Chloe, in her book, Anonymous, Jesus' Hidden Years and Yours, alerts us to something very powerful. She says, feelings are not the litmus test for reality. Our emotions and feelings are simply reactions to our environment, our circumstances, our perceptions. By nature, they are followers, and we, put, and we put a, place our souls in great danger when we require them to take the lead. Truth, on the other hand, was born to lead. God's truth clears the fog out of our minds, provides much-needed boundaries for our emotions, and empowers our wills to choose well. Isn't that good stuff? So notice, Moses is going to weave in his comments here, from verse 1 down to verse 8, three powerful observations that's going to lead Israel to launch well with Joshua. Now, these these observations reveal three biblical truths which will help clear our minds, which will help give boundaries to our emotions, and will empower our wills to choose well so that we can launch well with Matt. What are those three? First, when the type and timing of change confronts us, Moses wants us to first of all know we have someone to follow. Look at the constant drumbeat from Moses' words. Verse 3, the Lord your God himself will go over before you. Verse 6, it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Verse 8, it is the Lord who goes before you. So yes, there are some forms of change that are quite challenging, but we have someone who has gone before us 
into that very change. And we are to follow him, and that has powerful implications. First, if I have someone to follow, then that means I have a constant companion. I am not alone. Boy, what a relief that we don't face any change in life, whether it's a minor thing or whether it's a major thing, on our own. There is someone who not only walks beside me, there is someone who has also gone on ahead of me, which means in facing change, I might get surprised by it, but nothing takes my God by surprise. He already knows the specifics of what I'm going to have to face. You know, the same thing happened in the New Testament. Jesus knew that his crucifixion was going to unnerve his disciples. It was a change that they were not expecting, and once it happened, they were not sure how they were going to see, them, their, see themselves through it. So listen to our Lord's words to the disciples, starting in John 14, verse 16. Well known. He said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You know, in the midst of change, one of the things we have to be careful of is what I call orphan thinking. That somehow in the midst of all of this, I'm on my own. And yet, what does the Lord say to us here in John 14? That the Holy Spirit is to make the very presence of Jesus Christ real to us. Folks, that's the heart of our Savior. We don't face change alone. Now, if I have someone to follow, and that means I have a constant companion, it also means that if I have someone to follow, he's going to lead, so I will have direction. Now, again, some of the change we face is quite unnerving. It's quite, it's quite challenging because we don't know why we're facing it, nor do we know exactly where it's going to take us. And oftentimes it may feel very much like our lives is, our life is chaos and it's um, very random, but it's not. Now, there's other change we face where it's quite clear. We're here on this side of the Jordan and we know that somehow, some way, we're going to get over there to the other side. We're not sure how we're going to get there, but we know the destination. So to have someone to follow means our Lord knows both the destination and the process to get there. And if I will simply let him lead, he'll give me direction as I stand on my personal brink. I love the promise from Jeremiah 33.3 about he leads, I can have direction. Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Or how about Isaiah 33.6, he will be the stability of your times 
a, a rich store of, of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. You see, what Moses knew, we need to grab a hold of. In the face of change, we have someone to follow. I'm not alone, and he will give me direction. But these verses in Deuteronomy 31 also give us a, a second observation from Moses. And that is, he says, we've got a purpose to pursue. Now, I've already mentioned, change can thrust us into an environment that can feel very chaotic, very uncertain. It can, at times, make us feel like we're losing our way because we're trying to fight our way through a very thick fog. But notice how Moses reminds Israel that in the midst of the coming change, there is an agenda. Verse 3, you will take possession of the land. Verse 5, you must do to them as, according to all that I've commanded you. The agenda is clear for Israel. Cross the Jordan, take the land. And that's one of the fascinating things about change is that it can, at times it can make us feel disoriented. But we're never to be confused about the purposes we're to be pursuing regardless of what's happening around us. Okay, so we can see the, the agenda for Israel. What about for us? What are, what are the overriding purposes that we are to continue to pursue in the midst of any change that we face? Well, God's Word makes it clear, and it, and it really does eliminate any, con, any confusion. Matthew chapter 22 tells us one part of it. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, hold that, hold that. But then also consider Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we have these two very well-known passages, the great commandment and the great commission, put them together, and we have got God's clear agenda for our lives. We are to love people, we are to love God, and we're to raise up disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area. But in highlighting that there's a purpose to pursue, did you notice that Moses also mentioned that there is a battle going on. To accept God's agenda to go into the promised land and take possession of it is going to mean war. There are enemies to fight. Pursuing God's purposes is not going to be like a stroll in the park. Rather, it's going to be more like navigating through a minefield. It's going to be fighting for every square inch against a ruthless enemy. And yet, how often we forget that, especially when we come to a Jordan crossing, that in the process of facing change, we forget that there is a battle with a ruthless enemy who is willing to fight for every square inch of territory. Listen, if you want to, hold your finger here in Deuteronomy 31, but turn back into the New Testament. Paul 
reminds us of this in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So if our God-given generation here as, as participants in the new covenant on this side of the cross is to love God wholeheartedly, to love others compassionately, and as they said in the book of Acts, to turn our world upside down, do you not think we're going to be opposed? We are. Because we have a ruthless and unrelenting enemy, but we can stand strong in the strength of the Lord. See, these first two truths will really help ground us in the challenge of change. We have someone to follow, and regardless of what's going on around us, we have a purpose to pursue. There's a third observation from Moses that he makes. Notice back in Deuteronomy chapter 31, we have his promises to grasp. Moses points out to us the commitment that the Lord has made to Israel. Look at verse 3. He will destroy these nations before you. Verse 5, the Lord will deliver them to you. What's being promised? Well, several things. The first thing we can notice that's being promised is that God will do it. God will do it. In God-designed change, we're given God-promised outcomes. God commits Himself so that the nation of Israel will grab onto this promise of who is going ahead of them and the agenda that He will fulfill. And this is not just for Israel. This is for us too. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail or overcome it. Or another one that I love is Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. God's promised, I will do it. But there's another set of promises here. Verse 6, he will not leave you or forsake you. And then that gets repeated again, notice in verse 8, he will not leave you or forsake you. What's being promised? Not only is the Lord saying, I will do it, he's also promising, I will do it through See, every single one of us has a part to play as our new senior pastor comes. The change that's coming before us is not something to endure. It is something to engage in. 
And already we have started mentioning to you on, on each of these Sundays how there are key volunteer positions that we want you praying about. More of them are going to, you're going to be exposed to more of them as we get closer to the school year starting. And we really do want you to be saying, asking the Lord, Lord, how do you want to use me as part of the family of this church? How do you want me to engage here using my personality, my strengths, my giftedness to make an eternal difference in the life of other people? I trust you're doing that. I trust you're praying that way. But isn't it true that when we face change, one of the things that arises inside of us is fear. Fear that instead of this change becoming like a refreshing swim in the lake, that instead it will be like a tsunami uh, Yes, that's, that sweeps us away. We fear that the change is going to overwhelm us, it's going to damage us, it's going to cause us loss. We doubt our abilities. We doubt our courage. And that's why we need these promises here in, in Deuteronomy 31. That our constant companion, who has an agenda for us to pursue, will never leave us or forsake us. He will do it, and he'll do it through us. So Moses has made three key observations for Israel that transcend thousands of years as truth now for us to grasp. When we face the challenge of change, we're to remember that we've got someone to follow, we've got a purpose to pursue, and we've got his promises to grasp. And why do we need those truths? Look one more time, verse 6. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Verse 8, do not fear or be dismayed. Folks, this is not hypothetical stuff. If this morning on a personal level or as part of where we are corporately as a church family, the approaching change is potentially unnerving to you, then we need to remember that when fear or dread or dismay tries to find a place in our hearts, we've got someone to follow. We've got an agenda to pursue. We've got promises that are worth holding on to. Deuteronomy that Moses wrote ends in just a couple of chapters after this. And I love Moses his pastoral heart for his people that he was releasing to Joshua and to the future as they went into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 33, starting at verse 26, these are some of his last words to his people. He said to them, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Lakewood, as we face the coming changes, as our, a new era begins here, be confident that underneath us are the everlasting arms. Let's pray. Last Sunday, I asked you to 
assume the posture, if you wanted to, of palms up on your lap. Here's a different posture for this morning, that instead of palms up, take your hands together, grasp them, um, as in a normal act of is prayer. And would you pray with me like this? Father, I need to confess that some of the changes that you bring into my life, that you bring into our lives, these changes are unplanned. They're unexpected. They're unwanted oftentimes. And yet this morning, Lord, because of what Deuteronomy 31 has revealed to us, Lord, this morning, I want to commit myself. I will follow you. Lord, I will consistently try to pursue your agenda regardless of what's going on around me. And Lord, help me, but I want to cling to your promises. Lord, I can't do that on my own. I need your grace to help me to do that every day. So, Father, I pray that you would help me to be strong and courageous. And we pray this in the victorious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.